0: Successful Performer Cast, Episode 85. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Successful Performer Cast. My name is Chris Shepard. I'm your host and I just wanted to welcome all of you here today. Uh, we have a great interview for you guys this week with Annie Banani. And basically what she does is she is a balloon storyteller and she talks about, you know, working with kids, working with schools and libraries and different things like that. And, uh, you know, just brings us into her career as a, uh, as a balloon storyteller, which is a a really cool thing. And it's, it really is more than just being a balloon twister or a balloon artist. Um, but, uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, I wanted to talk with you guys real quick and just, uh, um, you know, just say I've, I've had the opportunity to meet a number of you guys um, since I've become a member at the Magic Castle and I've been uh, uh, hanging out there a little bit more. Um, I've had a number of you guys come up to me and, and tell me that, um, you know, you guys are listeners of the show. Um, Scotto, uh, Scotto has told me he's listened. Uh, I recently talked with rich cowley who said he's recently discovered the show as well uh if you guys uh see me at the magic castle be sure to come up and say hi and uh you know i'd uh, i'd love to sit and chat with you for a few minutes and get to know you um as a person, and uh, you know that's that's one of the really really cool things that uh, I've discovered about doing this is just the people that I've been able to meet. So thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, you know I'm doing this for you guys, and uh, it really is such a rewarding experience. Not only just learning from these people that um, I'm interviewing, but also being able to get to know you guys as well. So uh, thank you guys for reaching out to me, whether it's uh, whether I'm. Meeting Meeting you in person or you're shooting me an email or, uh, finding me off on Facebook. So, um, but anyway, uh, let's see here. I, I recently finished rereading, uh, Steve Martin's born standing up. It's been a while since I had read that one, but it was a, a really cool, uh, thing to just, to just to get back into it. And, um, you know, there, there's just so many aspects to his life that, that, Myself, all of us as performers can relate to um, you know just hearing him talk about his early days and this and that and and just some of the struggles that he's gone through some of those things really really hit home and uh, so I, I guess that would be my recommendation of the week for you guys is uh, is Steve Martin's born standing up if you have not read it, I definitely suggest you check that out um, so I know I was able to get that from my local library. Uh but uh you know it's it's a good thing you can also get it at successful com slash born standing up. But anyway, enough about that. Let's get into this week's interview with Annie Banani. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show Balloon Storyteller, Annie Bonanni. Annie is a children's book author who doesn't just write and sell her books, but she also creates Balloon Theater, where she uses balloons to tell stories. Her shows are tailored for elementary schools, public libraries, preschools, and family events, and her mission is to help children realize that they have amazing creative ability hidden within themselves. With her... Every Balloon Has a Story. Annie Banani, I am absolutely bursting with joy to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, how sweet. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's kind of funny listening to you on the other side of the phone when I listen to your podcast all the time.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you for being a listener. I, I certainly uh, I certainly appreciate every single person who, who lends me their time in their ears every week. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, it's really helpful. I've learned a lot from your podcast, and just, you know, it's amusing.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, there you go. It's uh, informative and entertaining. That's right. Awesome. So uh, one of the things we like to start off here is a little bit of inspiration, and I'd like you to tell me what your favorite success quote, or if you have a specific mantra that you like to live by, what that would be.
1: Ship. It's by Seth Godin. Uh Uh-huh. And he said, artist ship. And I don't even think that. I just say ship because I get perfection paralysis all of the time. Or I, I watch something get so big like a project. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. And then I never do anything with it. And so, you know, it's – there's another um, – and I can't remember the name of the person. Way long ago, I, I uh, uh, listened to this one – course on procrastination Mm -hmm. and that's where I got the perfection paralysis quote. And I also got, um, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly first.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and just the matter of, you know, if, if you just wait until everything's perfect, it's, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So that's, I've been using that mantra for years and it's been so good.
0: I, I love that. And I can absolutely associate with that as well because I mean, just even whenever you start something new, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's always going to be bad, you know. I mean, sure, it's it's going to be better than nothing, but like you said, with uh um you know analysis paralysis paralysis and whatnot, you just have to take what you have and uh, and and ship. Just mm-hmm. like Seth Godin says, at some point, you just
1: have to ship. Right, and. It helps, too, if you surround yourself with people who will not tell you you're good unless you are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. so you're not just shipping junk. But, yes. um, you know, there is a point where you you just need to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've heard <coughs> other people call it, uh, you know, put together your minimum viable product, you know. And <laughs> then as soon as you get it out into the real world, of course, it has to be good. But you can't really build something to its full potential until you get it out out into the real world anyway.
1: Right. Uh, well, so so much of my shows are improv. Mm-hmm. And I have to have – I have a, a, a plan. I really do. It doesn't look like it sometimes, but I really do. But um, when I have a new show, um, if it's a whole new show, then I can't like do what you do and add little parts of it in the middle of a regular show. Then I have to do rehearsal shows. With audiences. I can't rehearse like normal people. And which is good because I'm too lazy to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I'd never be a good magician because, you know, I don't sit there in front of a mirror and practice my double lift or whatever those are called.
0: (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. I I call mine Fred. So uh, I'm just joking. That's much
1: better. (laughs) And Frederica, if you decide it's a girl. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now if it's if it's a triple, that's completely different. It's um I have no idea. <laughs> Tripolica. Tripolica, exactly. <laughs> now, could you maybe give us a specific uh instance where this mantra of ship has really come to play in your career or your life or really helped you out? <laughs>
1: A specific type, actually. Okay. Um, I tend, like most performers, I will see an opportunity, I will write the the promo copy for it, and then I will sell it, and then I will write it.
2: Ah. Then I will write the
1: show, and that actually happens all the time in the libraries because there's a showcase in January, but we have to have the stuff in in November, so Mm
2: -hmm. we
1: have to say this. You know, not everybody matches the theme, but I always do. And um, so last year I had to write. Uh, there were three themes, three library themes. I just want to like get those librarians and say, would you just pick the same theme? Mm-hmm. But so I wrote for three themes. It was a, um, a superhero, no musical superhero from space. <laughs> nice, right? And so it, it covered all three, and it, and it didn't. Of course, it it started out as one thing the piano of doom faced the music and I had written the whole thing and it was going to be every time the piano of doom happens, then our hero faces a new challenge. Well, it totally didn't work in real life. Mm -hmm. And so it, I still had to match what the description said because I had sold that. Right. And you know, it's on all the promo stuff, (laughs) but I had to change it. So it really worked in real life. And it turned out to be so good that it's my next book. And, but it's so exciting to see, you know, sometimes there's there's a couple of years where I don't ever want to see that library show again. Mm-hmm. I will never, ever tell anybody that I did it, you know, <laughs> the, the year before last. Yeah, <laughs> don't edition, worry. So.
0: None of our listeners will tell anybody either, I promise.
1: Oh, I'm sure this isn't, you know, <laughs> the 47,000 listeners you have. Everybody will be completely mum on that.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. We're We're a tight-knit crowd. You're good. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs>
1: there you go. Sign a non-disclosure agreement. That's what it is. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can download that that at successfulperformercast dot com <laughs> slash i'm just kidding. <laughs> That's great. I should put something there, shouldn't I?
1: Yeah, like the onion.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the onion. <laughs> oh man. So okay, now could you kind of take us back in in time and talk about how you? Uh, transitioned into performing full time. I'm curious as to how that played out. Um, did you have a, a regular job or anything like that? Or
1: well, I've been kind of performing my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I majored in music education, and so I've studied opera and classical, and then musical theater for eight years after college. And you know, did the whole band and choir thing when I was a kid. So I've been performing forever. You, and you, then you're a band geek. I am. What did you Wood play? Woodwinds. Yeah, first flutes, and then I thought it'd be all cool to play clarinet, and I didn't like it at all. But then I ended up playing sax, because if I played sax, then I could be right next to Marlo Maguire, who I had a big, big crush on. (laughs) And he was a cutie, and he was very nice. And so I got to spend two years marching next to Marlo Maguire. It was pretty awesome.
0: There you go. And and the clarinet section, I might add, uh, is almost always the weirdest section. Ne- next to the trumpet. It's usually,
1: yes. And yeah. when I was a kid, it was usually women. Oh, well, there you go. And since I'm straight, I didn't want to flirt with women.
0: <laughs> Good idea. All right. So uh, so continue on from that. Okay.
1: All right. So then um, <clears throat> when I started with um, balloons, I was doing musical theater and I was just working my rear off because I, was, I had a full time job because, mm. you know, when you do musical theater, usually you can't support yourself unless you're doing dinner theater. And um, I can sing, I can act, but I dance like an idiot. Mm. And so Maybe that kind of held me back a little. And um, I've always been on the um, the zoof tag, the uh, chubby side. Okay. And um, then I realized kids are really fun because we had a kid in my family, my nephew, and I'm like, whoa, kids are awesome. This is, this is really fun and so then um, then what I did is um while I was doing um, when I was uh, working with kids in Sunday school, and I was at a full time job working for lawyers and I was doing um, I, I was doing musical theater
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um mostly I did some dinner theater, but mostly just you know you're professional they give you fifty dollars because they want to call it professional, but it's still really community theater and um then I started doing balloons and I'm like, wait a minute, I can do this, have fun and actually make money. I'm sold. This is it. This is what I'm doing. Right. And, um, yeah. And then I did it for, um, part time for a while. And then, um, <laughs> my first year, I think I made like $20. It was, <laughs> it was really bad. Um, uh, but then I went to, um, uh, I went to a convention and it pretty much changed my life. And, um, then I ended up, um, wanting to go full-time but I had a this is way too long of a story now mm-hmm. uh, but I had an online job for a while so I was able to travel I um, lived in uh, Holland for a while with a clown and his family and make that clear I wow. thought I was just running off with some guy no it's okay. with his yeah. wife and one-year-old and three-year-olds really kind of platonic so I worked for them for a while and the right. guy is amazing um, and then I uh, was going to learn um, street theater Um, street performing so I lived in London for a while and then I realized after not long at a time at all that I don't like trying to get my audience I like them waiting there for me all excited so I you know stayed in London but I didn't do a whole lot of street performing Mm -hmm. I I watched it a lot and so then I came back and um, started just building my business and then I went to another convention and, uh, met my future husband. And then I got so busy and I wanted to travel a little bit cause he was here in California and I was in Colorado
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, really work kind of got in the way of my life. Hmm. And so I thought, you know what, Hey, I can totally do this. So I quit without any long-term gigs, which I would not suggest to anyone. I'm still paying off the bills for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I did, I mean, it, it was really motivating. Um, I got like six restaurant gigs within about a month because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I got to do it and then just built it from there. But yeah, don't do that without any savings. It's a really dumb idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's and, uh that's one thing that I've um, uh, it kind of been an underlying theme theme mm-hmm. of some of the interviews that I've done. So yeah,
1: that whole learning to manage your money and run a business is uh, a lot harder than it seems.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so from that point on, you were kind of like just up and, and running. Uh, you got a, a number of restaurant gigs within the first month, and then from that point, you were um, trying to drum up business. Then,
1: yeah, um, and I wasn't doing any shows at that time. Okay. Um, I have got this theater background, so it it just kind of happened naturally. A lot of it, where you know, as a balloon artist, you tend to go. Um, it's like tableside magic, where you go and you go table to table, and that's your little mm-hmm. audience right there. Um, But I'm just a friendly person and outgoing and I'll talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, with kids, you just have to ask them a question and they'll just talk forever usually. And so, you know, it wasn't a big deal, but I thought, well, let's take this up a notch and maybe um, I can make things that would be more fun to present. So I started with uh, a knighting ceremony anytime I'd make a sword Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. And it just got bigger from there. And then... um, I took some classes with, um, at balloon conventions from Larry Moss and Jimmy Leo, who are brilliant people. Okay. And um, I saw Alan Gouin perform. And in fact, I on purpose never saw Alan again until recently because I was afraid that I would copy him. Because mm-hmm. we are very, very similar. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, hi, Alan. You're wonderful. I can't see you again. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed about that. Like I saw him last year or two years ago. And he's like, seriously? You did that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> otherwise I'd have been doing your your stuff and I wouldn't have realized it because I was so new in the storytelling mm-hmm. part and then um, I took a class from Buster Balloon who is my husband but not at the time right. at, um, at uh, one of the Twist and Shout things and he did a Sunday class where for a certain amount of money he gave you rights to do his show and there were probably oh forty 40 people in that and probably six or seven of us ended up doing parts of that show. And um, luckily I kind of had a mentor there Mm -hmm. and he helped me that it was no problem just messing around and doing fun stuff, but I didn't know anything about how to structure a show or the big thing was how do you work without a script writer and a director? Mm. Because I've been doing musical theater forever. I'm totally comfortable with that, but what do you do? How do you know something is good enough? So he helped me learn about structure. And he also helped me learn to watch my audience and, um, know what's working. And, and then, you know, I learn a lot from magicians because they, they, they have some tried and true stuff, but then I, I don't like to do the same kind of thing that they do. You know, it's usually like you get up there, there's one kid up there and you do a thing or one or two kids. It's more of a, of a, I'm the, I'm the narrator. I make the kids do funny stuff And, you know, we tell a story in a silly way, and then all the kids in the audience do all the sound effects. And Mm
0: -hmm. that's
1: the balloon theater thing.
0: Okay, okay. So tell us a a little bit more kind of about what balloon theater is then.
1: Um, It's really, if you have, uh, like, somebody come, like a a theater person, and they have a trunk of costumes. Mm -hmm. And say, all right, so-and-so is going to get a cape. And you're gonna be the superhero, and you're gonna be the princess, and you And so, it's same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, they get up and you know, you well, I guess a three little pigs would be a really good example of okay. So you have three pig costumes, and you have a a big bad wolf costume, mm-hmm. and then you tell the story, and then they know when to move because you say it, and you know, and you, you learn how to move your audience without saying okay. Now you have to walk over here. But okay. you do it with how you tell the story and, uh, you know, the, the wolf was big and bad and hungry and then, you know, everybody gets their claws out and their growler out and, you know, that's a very preschool kind of mm-hmm. show. But, um, you, once you tell the kids what you're going to do at the beginning, then they get it and they'll go along with you and you don't have to actually say, all right, now it's the time for you to walk stage left and go upstage a little bit, right? Okay. Because you're taller than that other, you just, you know, that right. you can't say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't say that to most adults.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so then you, you add <clears throat> balloons to
1: that then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the balloons are the costumes and the props. And okay. uh, so the kids are my actors and um, all the kids in the audience do sound effects. And I've always been tempted because I'll go to a show and I'll see somebody do like a special sound effect, like, you know, a Boeing or, a you know, something special. And I thought, I keep thinking I want to use those, but that would completely negate the idea of having the audience do it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is for the interactive part of it.
0: Yeah, it gets everybody involved in the show.
1: Yeah, uh, Silly Billy has a book. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that sounds like a nursery rhyme.
2: (laughs) Silly Billy. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But he does, really he does. And um, the book is wonderful. And he talks about, uh, among other things, interactions per minute. Mm -hmm. That, you know, when you're in a comedy club, you always think laughs per minute. But with mm. kids, it's not about laughing. Yeah, it's great if it's funny and everything. But kids will get um, can get tired of laughing sooner.
2: Hmm.
1: In a way, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not right. But I, it's it's all about not the humor, but the interaction with the humor. Okay. And sometimes it's interaction without humor. So, like, if I'm trying to get my audience's attention, something happened, I had one show recently that made me insane. We were in the uh, NPR, and that's also where they serve lunch. So they decided it was a good idea to have the kids from the other classes come in to the sides and get their lunch and go out when, we, when I've got kindergartners and first graders in my show. And, of course, you know, oh, the, they won't notice. We're off to the side. Yeah, they will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're six.
2: <laughs> and, yeah. stuff,
1: and they're going to notice everything. You're not going <laughs> to lose them. So how you get them back is you know, you have them do some kind of a physical um interaction thing or you know, you've seen I'm sure we've all seen teachers do the clap. You know, if you can hear me, clap twice. Mm-hmm. If you can hear me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't do that for fun. That's just that's how you get kids attention. You can't just say, "Okay, everybody listen." It's never going to happen. Yeah. But if you get them doing something, then that's
0: yeah. That that makes sense. So mm-hmm. what what are what are a couple of uh, other things or big lessons that you've learned from working with children? <laughs>
1: um, never be afraid to go off of your plan. And yeah. then I really specifically learned this with preschoolers, but um, because really you can only have a general plan if you have a script that can never be. Um,
0: wavered from wavered
1: from yeah if you can't get off your script then you're never ever going to have a good preschool show hmm. and i will i will swear to that mm-hmm. because you know you'll be right in the middle of somebody and somebody go, i have to pee <laughs> or you know did you know my doggy's name is snuffles and it's something completely non-sequitur you're like that's great and then you just go on but you know <laughs> you yeah. have to be able to deal with anything that happens or so, you know like I told you when we were talking earlier, if somebody pees their pants on stage, you have to be able to deal with it mm. and in a way that's not going to embarrass the kid. I am known for picking special needs kids, sometimes on purpose and sometimes not, um, because I've learned how to watch my volunteer. And in fact, my my theory is it's more important that your volunteer has a good time on stage than anybody else in the audience. Um, you try to. To pay attention to everybody, of course, but if it's a choice and you have to even um, sacrifice your show, mm-hmm. your, your funny and the whole your favorite, favorite joke because this kid needs special attention or can't do it or something like that, it's more important that that kid. I mean, you can really have a huge impact on a kid, especially if that kid is in front of a bunch of other kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, you know, I still remember things from when I was a kid. That yeah. happened on stage, um, and the the really cool thing about that, though, is people will notice. Your teachers and your parents will notice. The so if you've got something where it's really it's obvious that you are accommodating that child, whatever it is, and st- if still everybody ends up having a good time, and that child has a positive experience, and so does the audience, then. I've had so many teachers and people come up to me afterwards, oh my gosh, um, he's on the spectrum and he's never ever come up. He's never even offered to come up on stage. And not only that, he has never been picked and never been, you know, so never been able to be successful in front of his peers. Wow. Um, and his peers have never been able to see him be successful. And so there's a whole psychological thing like that, but um for some reason i connect really really well with kids on the uh, awesome, uh, autism spectrum mm-hmm. and um, they fascinate me as people because they're so dang smart and just there so many people don't realize how how cool somebody can be if you can just connect with them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just anybody not just you know i like to pick shy kids i like to pick the most awkward kid but somebody who's, who i know is going to be super enthusiastic and you'll see people up on my stage you would normally never see n- that wouldn't be picked because I know just some, some reason that kid needs to be up here and I won't know why.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll just feel it. I mean, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'll pick somebody and it'll be tor- terrible and the show will be ruined. But, or, you know, <laughs> that bit will be ruined. But I love to take that chance because I was a very awkward child. Very awkward. I was adorable, but I was really awkward. And yeah. I was I was that ADD kid who couldn't pay attention through the whole thing or, you know, paid attention, but then says the non sequitur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I mean, I, I totally feel for those kids. They're they're my people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool when, uh, when you can especially connect with, uh, with not, not just one of the kids, but, but with, uh, with, Maybe somebody who has special needs or has something that's a little different about them, you know, because uh, then there's like this this whole different high that you get on as well. Because mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't even know how to explain it, but I'm sure that many of our listeners can uh, uh, can agree with this as well too. You know, so yeah,
1: because in the end, it really is all about me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There you said, go. But I
1: see what you're saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, but, but then like you said, the, the teachers notice mm-hmm. the, and it's obviously special for, for the kid as well, you know, and it's just uh it's just a win, win, win situation.
1: Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And so something was pointed out to us. Um, I, I do a character ed show. The only show that I do with a partner, um, Suzanne Herring and, um, we do a show where uh we, once, she goes and picks half of the volunteers, and she accidentally picks somebody from special needs, and then when we realized we did that, we did it on purpose for the next show, because we have a part where it's perfect,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um the teacher came up to us afterwards, after, like, after sh- they had brought the kids back to the Um, to the classroom, she actually came back up when we were setting up, um, cleaning up. And she said, what you don't realize is it's not only is it for the kid who can have the successful experience, it's for the other kids that they see that a special needs kids isn't a, you know, is, is just like them in a lot of ways. And when they see somebody be successful, then they're more likely to go and um, socialize with them. Yeah, You know, in regular life. And I just was, I had no idea. And it was really fantastic that I, I mean, a lot of my successes have been by accident. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool when, you know, you're not trying and something happens. You're like, whoa, all right.
0: (laughs) And then, so you're breaking down this barrier between the special needs kids and and the other kids, which is really cool.
1: That's such a great way to say it. I'm totally to that.
0: <laughs> Write it down. Write it down.
1: Now, <laughs> just listen to your podcast again. There you go. Just now. Take notes.
0: Now, so kind of segueing here, um, I, I really like how, I, I don't know if this is intentional or whatever, but you're kind of uh, um, steering things a little bit into my next points, which is kind of cool. Maybe we're just on the save, same wavelength. But uh, what about working with the teachers, principals, um, librarians? What are some of the specific things that they're looking for in your shows uh, that, that you m- need to make sure to accomplish? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, It's really different depending on who your client is. So that's when it's really good to be able to get into your client's shoes and say, what do they really want? So somebody explained to me, like, if it's a corporate show, what they really want is not to get fired. Mm -hmm. So you're going to do a show. I think I heard it on your show, believe it or not. Um, uh, You know, uh, somebody's talking about corporate magic and, you know, the goal is to be that person that the, that person can trust to do an awesome show and to be appropriate because their job might be on the line. And so the same with, um, with schools depends on who books you and what the feel of the school is. Some schools are like, you know, the principals are really tough and the PTA had to really, um, convince them that my show was educational. And if I know that, then when I, when I send things, uh, to the school and when I, um, when I talk to the principal, if I need to, then there's that, this is educational, it's based on the standards, and here's blah, blah, blah. And, um, and on the other hand, sometimes people are like, we don't want anything educational. Can you make sure that if there's any education, you hide it? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. You know, so, and then, so with schools, specifically, the things that I didn't expect, because I expected that, you know, that everybody has their own agenda and I've got to match that agenda because that's why they're hiring me. Um, one thing I didn't realize with public schools, the schedule is God. You mm. cannot, even though this, um, I'm sure that if any school person ever hears me say this, um, well, it's out there. Um, my show will start at 9.30 and it has to be over at 10.45. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the um, apparently the teacher's most of them believe in, um, teletransportation. So like if they leave their classroom at nine they're going to get there immediately with no time passing. Not <laughs> like they're coming into my show 10 minutes late. Right. So, yeah. So even if the, it starts 10 minutes late, then I still have to end on time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that, that makes me insane, but there's not much you can do about it. So, and I totally understand they're part of it because, you know, if you've got 800 kids in an elementary school, you just don't have a lot of leeway. Mm hmm. Um, so, but that's one thing (laughs) I remember one of my first and it wasn't that big a deal in Colorado that the places that I was doing when I moved here, my first school show, um, I was 10 minutes from the end and, uh, the teacher had the kids stand up and they left.
0: That's a sobering moment.
1: Yeah. And so that, (laughs) it was a really tough lesson to learn. And then I talked to, you know, I've got mentors in the school shows and they said, oh yeah, yeah. They're serious about that time ending thing, and with the libraries, they're like, "Oh sure, go for an hour, go for two hours. We're having a good time, you know." Mm -hmm. Because they're with a library, they're they're like, "We want butts in the seats." So if you can get the kids more, the more kids you get there to each performance, the more uh, money that they can qualify for the summer reading program. And it's really Mm -hmm. not about money for the librarians; it's about how many kids can they serve. Which means if we get more kids there, we're serving more kids and we're going to get more money so we can serve more kids. Yeah, and, and so
0: more books checked out. And,
1: right. Yep. And most librarians are just, you know, the public librarians are just wanting you, they, they like that theme. Not all of them need the theme, but, you know, they like it. And so if you can match the theme creditably, and sometimes really loosely, depending mm-hmm. on which performer it is, you know, and they know who's, who's going to be really true to the theme and who's just going to put a couple of things in, but really more than the theme, it's usually, are you a funny show? Are you easy to work with? Are you never late? You know, um, the worst thing you can do to a librarian who will book in January and mm-hmm. February is not show up Yeah, or be late and don't call. Or even if you do call, if you're late.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, the, uh, that's something you have to worry about is, you know, with a library you've got, um, they would much rather you be mediocre and be dependable than be fantastic and be undependable there. Um, there's one library showcase here where, um, it's anybody can get in, which I appreciate. Um, you know, that like you don't have to audition, you don't have to pay, it's totally free. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate what they're trying to do. But what happens with that is there's, a lot of performers who don't take it seriously. So they, uh, this happened in 2008 and 2009 when a lot of the private parties were going away and people are scrambling to try to make money. So they're, Oh, I'll do a library show. And, um, so they would go and, um, do the showcase and then people would book them and they had several, and this has happened over the years where people have just either called them up, um, even a month before and say, I'm sorry, I got another gig. And I'm not going to be able to do the thing, thinking that's not last minute. But four months ahead is last minute to a librarian. Mm-hmm. So you, you've just created a whole t- entire emergency if you do that. Um, and some people just didn't show up.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, and that just shouldn't happen,
1: right? And this librarians, most librarians, children's librarians are sometimes a, an exception, but um, they don't want to talk to that group. They, I, I recently did one. Where uh, the librarian said afterwards, I was so scared. It's really hard for me to talk to the group before you come on. That's why I was so, you know, that I was really so nervous sounding. And I mean, he was totally comfortable with me the whole entire time. But when he was in front of the kids, he was like, I like whoa. It was just he didn't warn me, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't know that he was going to be nervous. I could have, you know, completely saved him from that whole thing and just did it myself. Yeah, um, but they to have a couple hundred kids there and not have a performer and have to pull out some, an activity at the last minute is like horrible torture for a librarian. They can do it because they're super creative, but, um, they talk. So if you do that, no one will hire you again.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about the libraries, um, If you are a good performer, and you um, get you know the perfect performer would be terrific performer, um, very dependable, um, gets paperwork back, and um, you know that they know they can count on Mm them. Then they will go and tell. They actually have meetings about summer reading program. One of the things they say is, "Who did you hire this summer? How did you like them? What should I know?" And they are brutally honest with each other. And I've even, and I will not name names, I have had librarians say, there are some people we won't hire again because he did this. Or, And this is where I hear, well, I mean, he didn't show up. Or, you know, this person had great five minutes but could not carry a 45-minute show.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> and, you know, it's just a matter of of just being ready before you do it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and get some mentors and You know, do some free shows for your local library and get feedback from that librarian um, before you go into that market. It's I just think it's really yeah, it's really important to be ready. And it's for schools; it's even more important. Mm. They don't talk as much, which is kind of frustrating because it's harder to. You have to do a whole lot more marketing to get booked. Um, But uh, so the PTAs don't talk to each other. I don't know why, but um, the it, it still is. Um, one of the like the best compliment I ever got for my school show um, was the principal, and she said, "Most people say they have a reading show, and it ends up just being a demonstration of their talents. You have a reading show." Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, thank you." <laughs> I, that's gonna go on all my. It promo takes an guys, author, it? doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was before I was.
2: Oh um, okay. I,
1: Yeah, I I published a book in 2008, but it was just like a balloon twisting book. Mm -hmm. And it was on purpose not to be an author. It was just I wanted something, you know, to be able to say, hey, yeah, I wrote a balloon book. And, you know, just for, you know, as they say, a book as a business card. Yeah. And I still have some and uh, like two boxes of them. (laughs) Because it it was back when you when you published and you had to have, you know, you had to buy 3000 books or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't three thousand books, but I think it was three I thousand dollars. I yeah, there that. you go. And so my husband was totally supportive. He thought that was the coolest thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's a way different experience now because the publishing market has really really changed, mm-hmm. and um, it was so much so so different of an experience. This last January when I published my first storybook, okay, and um, yeah, I mean there was still a huge learning curve for me. There always is, but um, uh, that it was awesome because there's just so many more resources Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you can find an editor, (laughs) which is really, if you're publishing without an editor, you're dumb.
0: (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Now you, you have a a very unique kind of a show that you're selling and I'd imagine that kind of makes for a, a harder sell. Could you take a moment and talk about pitching your show and educating your prospects?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really important because when they think balloon show, uh, there's a few more of them now so people are kind of, you know, depending on if there are balloon shows in your area but you started a trend. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did. Buster Balloon is my husband and um he and there's a uh, Todd Newfeld and Larry Moss and um uh Jimmy Leo and a couple of other people were just doing balloon shows. Alan Gouin, um but it was just you know, here and there, and these people are all over the country, so it's not like um, th- the first time it really got done a lot in a, in a market was us here in Southern California that I know of. Of course, there could have mm-hmm. been somebody else that I don't know, but um, th- at first the librarians, and this is why showcases are so awesome, the librarians thought that a balloon show, I was going to stand up there and twist balloons and tell jokes. Yeah. And then there were the ones who said that who thought that everybody in the audience was going to get a balloon. And, oh, by the way, there's 200 people. Is that okay? Not really, no. <laughs> Let me explain to you what I really do. And then, so that's why the balloon storyteller um, word, uh, phrase came up, Buster thought of that. And um, so I'm not the first one to use the phrase, but I am the one to get the website and to pretty much take that over on Google.
2: Mm. So
1: for everybody, please don't use balloon storyteller on Google. I don't know SEO and I'm too lazy to do it. So, <laughs> but um What really started explaining it is when I said theater, because I explain, you know, I'm telling a story, but the kids are helping me tell the story. The kids are my actors. I'm the narrator. All the kids do uh, the sound effects. So it's a super highly interactive educational show. And then I go into um, now that I'm an author, I can say, um, you know, because I'm an author, i I'm uh, able to add a creative writing element into it, and I'm working on actually doing um, author visits where instead of doing assemblies, I'm actually in in there all day, so I can do shorter shows with you know each grade level, and then you know do the things that authors do. You do a signing at lunch, or you know special kids earn lunch with the author, or whatever the school sets up. Mm-hmm. But um, the one of the reasons I love being an author, there were several reasons I did it. But, um, the one reason I love is because there's a whole nother pot of money that comes from, um, you know, you get one for encouraging reading, but specifically for author visits, there's often a different budget for that. And so I'm not, I'm competing with other authors now instead of competing with other entertainers.
0: Interesting. So you're, you're in a completely different bucket now being an author.
1: Not completely different, but it does give me an advantage over everybody else. Um, The real reason, though, and it's kind of silly, but I kept... My my favorite thing is the creative writing show where... And it's hard to explain because we tell tell the first story and then um, we actually write an original story outline, me and the kids together, Mm -hmm. during the show, right there during the show. And they just don't think it's possible, so it just goes over their heads. Mm -hmm. And they... You know, and then I say, you know, it's a group effort, and you know, I do all of the, all of the, the writing down sort of thing, so you don't need to bring papers and pencils. And they still don't get it, and mm. they they love the idea. They just really don't know what I'm going to do because nobody does it. And then they'll I'll get questions like, so do they need to bring a paper and a pencil and something hard to write on? No, please don't do that. <laughs>
0: Mm. Do you have like, like a, a like a FAQ or something that, that you give them or something like that on your website?
1: Yeah, I'm mm. a, the worst at follow up, so my classroom materials aren't as good as they could be, um, which means I need to hire somebody. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, that's one of the things on my FAQ, and you know what you know what's the room setup and Larry Moss, um, he he's a balloon guy. He does origami. And I'll give you the, the reference to that for the mm-hmm. show notes. But he, um, I, I licensed his science show. And that's also one of the things that made me understand show um, that, what do you call it, the rhythm of the show and the structure of the show. Okay. Um, and um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the, one of the best things I ever learned from Larry Moss is um, always bring your own sound system and be completely. Self-sufficient because no one's going to know how to use their sound system and the custodian has other things they need to do and they won't, you won't be able to find him. It'll be his day off,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and you can't depend on anybody ever having what you need because you are not the most important thing happening that day or ever. And it's mm. okay. <laughs> it's okay that I'm not. <laughs> And so if you are completely self-sufficient, then you are easy to work with. And they're like, oh, my gosh, she was no trouble at all. I loved her. And that's what I want. I want to be super easy to work with. So I bring my own sound system. And they're always shocked. I'm like, you know, I just need to know where the electrical outlets are. And I need some lights on stage. How's that?
2: Perfect. (laughs) Oh,
1: really? Do we need to set up chairs for all the kids? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is what I need. It's totally easy. I want the least amount of work for everybody. Yeah. And uh, they're always really surprised when I do that. And it's because I can. I'm, there's other play- people, some people that I know that do a great big multimedia thing. And there's some really serious stuff that they need because of what they do. And that's one of the reasons I haven't gone all multimedia. Because um, it's a lot of work. And I'm not good at that. I'm good at being on stage.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I
1: do that well. And anything that I can do to keep myself being that being my main job, I'm all over that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and it's fun.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of move into some of the uh I guess normal form questions that I that I ask my guests. And the first thing is I'm I'm sure you see moments of failure as learning experiences. And so I was hoping you could share with us one specific example of one of those learning moments and what you took away from it.
1: Um okay there's two important failures that have happened um other than just the normal ones where whoa i thought that was going to work but it totally didn't mm-hmm. um but i've always loved the idea of doing a silent show but a silent show with what i do so not just beautiful balloon stuff but you know being able to bring kids up and do the storytelling thing and
0: mm-hmm. you know you get the um, sound effects from the crowd and
1: right yeah. and, and, um I saw a friend of mine do it um the, the clown that I studied with in holland uh Guido verhof and um I saw him do it at a at a convention one time, and it was brilliant It was wonderful, and I thought, well, you know, if I can do more silent things, I can work internationally that'll be great so and it'll you know I wanted to grow as a performer, so we went to a um a balloon convention in uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is where I'm going to try it out because it was supposed to be like a side stage, not the big main stage, but there's like this little side stage. And I was like, all right, that's a good place to try it. And I won't be able to, you know, I've been experimenting a little bit, but I'd never done a whole 30 minutes because I kept, you know, you keep going to where you speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So I'm going to really push myself and I won't be able to speak because I don't speak Japanese and these are Japanese children. Great. This will work great. Well, I was not prepared enough to do that. I should have forced myself to do it in uh, smaller places. And not only that, uh, I was a little too accommodating at the time because they're like, oh, you know what? We just decided to put everybody on the big stage. Really? Oh. <laughs> and can you go first
2: at oh. like eight 30
1: in the morning, which I am not good in the morning unless I'm, I've been up for three or four hours. So now it's afternoon for me. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, when I, I get up at five o'clock every time I do a school show, whether I have to or not, because I just need to be awake. And um, so I had the I had two things set up, and it, it was okay. It was it wasn't horrible. And then, but I was done in like seventeen minutes, mm-hmm. and it was a thirty-minute thing, mm. and I was in front of like two thousand people. And in a really awkward place where I was on a stage, but there were there was there were people in front of me, and then people up on balconies, like 360. And right. for a good performer, it is a dream. But for me, I was so not ready for that yet, because I would have been fine had it been English-speaking people, and I would have I would have, you know, been able to shine because I've been in that situation before. But this was totally new, and so I'm done, and I start to leave off stage, thinking, oh well, you know, there's going to be. Uh, and they got like, no, no, no! You have to stay up there. You have ten minutes left. Like, no, I don't. And and it probably wasn't as bad as I remember it, but it was just crushing. And it taught me that um, I can't always wing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> you know, I can wing it better than most people because I've been you know improving for so long. But I didn't have enough tools in my toolbox.
0: Mm. And so, what, yeah. what did you? What did you end up doing?
1: I don't remember. Yeah. Like on stage, I don't remember what I ended up doing. But I ended up getting off stage and then um, crying, of course. I think I made it. No, I don't think I made it back to the hotel room because, oh, no, I didn't. I remember this. I think I've been blocking this out. Oh, uh, no. In this particular hotel room, the, real, the rule was you got one key. And uh-huh. they didn't have two keys because so, everybody supposedly was supposed to go everywhere together, which was insane. We're at a balloon convention. So Buster had the key. And I couldn't get back. And so I had to go and, like, cry in the corner for a couple minutes and then get over it really quick because I had promised to help somebody else with a sculpture, Mm -hmm. uh, with their sculpture competition. And I'm trying to – and I can't even get out of my costume because I can't get back into the room. And so and I'm trying to make myself really invisible at this point because I don't care if anybody else liked it. I hated it. And I was just devastated. My friends are all like, it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. And I was trying not to cry, you know. And, um, you know, you just have those. And if you can't, you can't have that, then you, you shouldn't be performing because it's going to happen at one point. Mm -hmm. Even if every single performance has been wonderful, there's going to be that one. And sometimes it's because of stuff not under your control. Yeah. Um, Like the one time I didn't realize, and this was when I was really new. Um, it was a clay bake oven type of situation. They didn't think about the fact that the reason no one used the amphitheater during the day is because it was like 110 degrees, (laughs) not on stage, but in the audience. Mm -hmm. And I had no audience at the end of the show. They were all behind me in the shade. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just stuff, you know, I had enough flight time. This was recently and I had enough flight tonight time to know better. Mm -hmm. And I did it anyway. That's I think what hurt the most is, is I should have known better. Yeah. And and there was that extra the first one it was just like, oh well that happened. Well, I'll do it better next time. But this one was like, you know, when you really kick yourself because you go, Oh, I'm such an idiot. I am mm-hmm. such an idiot. And then and then you get over it. And it was weird because of course I'm in another country and I'm still I'm feeling really, really not in my element because not only is no one speaking English, except for the people like there's probably This is really very much a Japanese convention where people from Japan come, right? Mm -hmm. So there's probably six or seven international people, and you know maybe there's more than that that speak English, but not a lot. And I was, and you know when you can't read the characters on any of the signs and you're constantly getting lost, it was just it was overload of personal confusion.
0: (laughs) It's kind of the perfect storm.
1: It really was, and and most of it was my fault. Yeah. But you know, at least I know most of it was my fault.
0: Yeah. And not not to not to bring out like latent bad memories. <laughs> uh so um so on the opposite side of the spectrum, could you tell us about one of your favorite successes?
1: Yes. And you know what? It started with a failure. Okay. And um it actually um turned out so incredibly well. Um So I was doing, um, this is back in Colorado. Um, I moved here in 2006 to California. I used to live in Colorado, and I, we would do these mountain tours mm-hmm. where the, um, they know that it's a long drive into the mountains in Colorado. So they set up, you know, a bunch of libraries get together and set up a tour, which is so perfect. I just wish everybody would do that. Um, so they, I get there, and I do not remember the reason I wasn't able to prepare So what I do is I come with prepared, pre-twisted balloons Mm -hmm. because I like to go kind of fancy. So, you know, maybe I'm going to spend 10 minutes on something. You don't want to do that in front of the kids. It's just not interesting after the first minute, right? So there's a little bit of twisting on stage, but a lot of it's pre-done. So I get there, and I didn't have my props. I'm like, what in the world am I going to do? So I had a couple of minutes. I thought, all right, I am just going to blow up a bunch of balloons, and I know. I know we'll make up a story. That'll be awesome. And we did. And it worked. And I still remember the story about a mama penguin, a baby penguin, and uh, a walrus that was trying to eat the penguins. And the mama penguin um, skated around on ice skates, of course, because these were anthropomorphic. Uh, So they (laughs) skated around uh, the ice and made a hole, and the walrus fell through, saved her baby. It was great. And um, it was all done with, you know, like one or two balloons, and here, if I put these on your arms, that's... You're a penguin, you know, and I don't even remember what I made for the walrus because I didn't know how to make a quick walrus anything. So mm-hmm. I probably put ears on him or something Who knows? <laughs>
0: or tusks or whatever, it pro-
1: you know, it's probably tusks. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. But um, afterwards, the the. The reaction from the librarian and the reaction from the kids themselves and the excitement about being able to make up, make up their own story was so amazing, I thought, hey, I got something here. And so that I, – I didn't do that from, like, that point on. I actually went with my prepared shows. But then that got me thinking about creating the stories during the show. Mm. And then there was a, um, a library theme later on, a few years later – and I kind of play in with it a little bit. But the library theme few years later that said uh, um, something about creativity. And it was like very vague.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, well, I need, to, to, I need some direction here. And then I realized, no, I don't. This is so perfect. I could completely do the thing where we all make up a story. And so I had all summer long to experiment. Because librarians, as long as you're entertaining, they're very forgiving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you they're not gonna be like another entertainer saying oh my gosh that you know double lift I saw that you you flashed I saw that (laughs) you know so they're not going they're not like that they're like wow that was fun the kids had a great time you know I'll call you next year so there as as long as you generally have a pretty good show then you can take chances like that and so we did all summer and oh my gosh it was fun and then by (laughs) the end I had my school show Mm-hmm. Where we all make up stuff, and um, then it 's been building from there, and um, one of the things I was thinking about today is part of my time management problem is i 'm always coming up with new stuff, that mm-hmm. I kind of have an idea what I can sure I can do a Halloween show, you know because I know I can, and so but then I was sending some um, some confirmations, and it took forever because I had to oh yeah i don 't have a description for the invoice and the confirmation and for the, so I get these new shows that I come up with and I sell it to somebody and it takes forever to do the paperwork because, oh yeah, they need this. Cause oh, and they need a promo shot and they need a, you know,
2: <laughs> so yep.
1: I do so much new stuff and, um, and you know, that's good and bad and it's building my repertoire. And now, um, I'm going to have a really solid Halloween and Christmas show now because I decided to do them this year, but then I didn't do any of the, paperwork stuff until I know that I was going to book them because you know why do that if you don't book them right yeah you know other people smarter more organized people would go I know I'm going to book them so I'm going to get all this stuff ready and uh this <laughs> apparently not how I work uh so but back to the thing is um the funny thing about this is I was once I started to learn how to write and I realized I really enjoyed it and I was trying to start a blog and trying to learn how to write interesting things for adults to read, I saw this contest online. It was called Brilliant Mistakes, and it was um, part of the promo for the book Brilliant Mistakes written by somebody at the Wharton School of Business. Well, I don't know who these people are, right? They're like over on the East Coast. You know, that's far away when you live in California. And so I didn't think anything of it, but I thought this is going to be really great practice. So they said, describe a mistake that ended up being a brilliant mistake and turned out to be a huge success. Mm -hmm. And so I did. <laughs> and then I won second place. Wow. And, yeah. And the second place was behind this guy who, like, it was a, some, what's it, cure for cancer or, like, a new way to to do something, a new something, something big, something medical. I can't remember what it was. But, and the guy that was after me, or girl, I think one of them was a woman, but the person after me had figured out how to um uh, a mistake lo- uh, figured out how to detect medicare fraud huh. so both of this is like these millions of dollars and i'm like i'm a school performer <laughs> and it's just so cool and i won a class like well you know no big deal and then since then i found out it's a really prestigious school and i should probably go oh wow class. so but yeah i you know nice. an book and <laughs> i got a bunch of publicity and um you know not huge but you know it was so cool because it was a an experiment in not only going with my gut knowing that that show was going to work mm-hmm. um but then going with an experiment while i was trying to learn how to write for adults and then i win a contest it was really cool <laughs> so that's Sweet. probably my favorite one there's others and yeah. that's that's really kind of unique to me yeah. um you know like Oh, it was really cool when I got to perform at the white house or whatever, <laughs> you know, that's great. You know, I did, but I had to, you know, no one paid me. Right, <laughs> you right. So, you know, it's the things that it's not a normal entertainer success. It's more with the entertainer and then with the um book mm-hmm. and, you know, another success that I really, really love is the fact that I've, now written an actual children's storybook, and Mm. I've wanted to do that forever. Mm. And finally, I did that, and I'm really happy. And then I've got a new one coming out in January, and I've found a new passion. I just really love the heck out of it.
0: Yeah. Now, is that the uh, Dr. Electric Takes Over the World?
1: Yes. Okay, that's That's the the first
0: one. Okay, the first one, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the the new one is coming out soon then? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, all it's right. It's called
1: Superhero Lunchbox.
0: Nice.
1: From a theme that I hated. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, a musical superhero from space. What in the world am I yes. going to do? And it, and it didn't work at first. And then, then it did, and then it really worked. And then it was awesome. And then I was able to write the draft of the book, the first draft. I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. And now every time I say the name of the book, everybody's, their face just lights up. <laughs> Whoa, Like it's a great name. I'm never changing the name of that book.
0: Could you say it one more time?
1: <laughs> Superhero Lunchbox.
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> See, your face just lighted up.
0: It sure did. Light it up. So yeah. we're, we're here at the end of the show, and this is uh, basically where I have you just give a couple of recommendations. It's kind of a uh, lightning round of sorts. Uh, but the first thing I'd like you to do is recommend a resource that you'll always use to our listeners, and this could be anything like an iPhone app to something like a prop list for your show.
1: All right. At the risk of pandering to a podcast producer,
2: <laughs> okay,
1: podcasts and audiobooks have not only saved my life, I'm sure, by keeping me awake on the road, they have given me the best ideas. Just some of the, you know, the whole thing for, um, and I'm actually going to be a millionaire one day because I'm going to, I've got this whole kids community, the story writing community that I'm going to. Found at some time mm-hmm. like once I get you know an, a CEO and somebody to help me run a business you know but just all this wonderful the wonderful ideas that I get from listening to podcasts and like when I when I needed to learn how to write a book and publish a book then I started to look around for children's book publishing and writing mm-hmm. podcasts and just anything I want to learn I know that there's probably a podcast about it so I can kind of get we did a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo campaign um, for a product that I developed with a friend of mine. And the first thing I did was look for a podcast. Because, hmm. you know, it's, it's going to tell me what I need to know. Not everything, but it'll at least get you in the right direction. You yeah, know?
0: absolutely. So, I love yep. them. Well, cool. And uh, now I'd like you to recommend two books, one of them performance-specific, and then one outside the performance realm like a business or a self-development book.
1: Okay. Um, Seth Godin. Has a book called the Icarus effect
0: mm that 's what I have not read yet
1: it 's brilliant it's like it 's talking about you know the, the regular um, the, the regular lesson the moral lesson that we 've all been told from the Icarus story is he flew too high too close to the sun he he aimed too high mm-hmm. and how dare you aim too high because you 're going to fall into the ocean right mm-hmm but he said there's another part to that is that you can you can always uh, also not aim too low. And he explains it a lot better than I do. Um, but if you read everything that Seth Godin writes, you will be very smart. Yeah. Um, that he's got a lot of like, um, really, really insightful things about being a creator and being an artist. And also the war of art is also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, By Pressfield. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of people suggest that. Mm -hmm. Um, So those two books, but um, really anything by Seth Godin. Um, Purple Cow was the first one we really read and really loved. Yeah. It's about, you know, standing out and not being a commodity. I like that. As a balloon artist, if I'm a commodity, (laughs) um, you know, they're getting people off Craigslist for $50 an hour. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, can you come and work our thing for tips?
2: You know, (laughs) so it's
1: worse than working for free Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm not doing a show or something I want to do. I'm going to be a balloon machine and I can work for tips. So it's what do you want me just to beg? Right. And it's it's frustrating because um, on all of the booking places as a balloon artist, the all of the hourly rates are just lower for balloon artists than they are for magicians. But I do a show. You know, what I do is the same thing you would hire a magician for in a lot of s- aspects. It's you know, a purple not all cow. Away. It really is Your a purple show. cow. It's a balloon show it is a purple cow. Mm-hmm. And I do learn a lot from magicians. And I've I've really learned to respect magicians because they've been doing this for so much longer. And, um, you know, I really love kids magicians.
0: So a uh, quick note to our listeners, links to these resources you'll be able to find provided in the show notes page, <laughs> and you can find that at com slash Annie Banani, and that's A-N-N-I-E B-A-N-A-N-N-I-E. All right. So, Annie, I'd like you to do one more thing for us, and that would uh, be to just give a piece of parting advice for our listeners and then tell us where we can find you online, your websites, if you're on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that.
1: The uh, I guess the advice is um, – well, the advice I always give balloon artists, and I think that this really applies across the board, is play.
2: Mm-hmm. Get
1: together and play. This is fun, people. Again, I just do comedy. maybe. Yeah. Somebody else. You do a serious show. Maybe you get together and cry or be all serious. I don't know. I've never done anything serious. But um, the more that you play with a concept and then let your subconscious take over for a while, so like if you if something's not working, you can put it aside, but that your subconscious is still going to work on it if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then bring it out and play with it again. And yeah. as much as you can get together and play. And you know, part of that's like taking workshops and. Um, I just took a melodrama workshop of all things and it was super hard and really weird, but it was good for me. Um, and we played and we played with serious subjects, but it was hilarious. So Mm because it's hard to explain. It was taught by a clown, a very strange and very wonderful week that I had. Um, but anytime you can get together and just play with your art, then that'll go back to why you're doing it in the first place. Yes, yeah. none of us do this because, you know, it's got a good retirement plan, you know.
0: Right, <laughs> right. You know, that that uh reminds me of uh whenever I had interviewed Suzanne, the magician.
1: Oh, she's so good. And-
0: Oh, absolutely. And and she just uh she just fooled Penn and Teller by the way. Um, I heard
1: I haven't had time to watch. I'm just I'm dying to watch it. Oh,
0: it's it's amazing. You'll you'll have to check that out. Cool. But she she talks a lot about playing with her audience and stuff uh mm, yeah. in, in her interview. And you guys can go back and listen to that at successfulperformercast.com/suzanne. Another really really good uh episode to listen to.
1: I can't believe I haven't listened to that. I'll, I'm gonna go do that
0: <laughs> and uh, so where can we find you online
1: Annie um, let's see Balloonstoryteller.com. com
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I am just starting a blog so for anybody who is interested mm-hmm. in libraries or any kind of reading or anything like that um, the secret life of your library. com it is not ready yet okay. it is <laughs> I can't figure out the tech part of it every time I think I've got it all the pictures go away, Oh. and it's okay. really horrible. So, if anybody knows Optimized Press, please give me a call. Uh, but you know, I haven't been working that. Optimize probably... Press
0: or WordPress?
1: Optimized Press. It's Optimize a thing press. that goes on top of WordPress.
2: Oh, and, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: The problem is, is I haven't watched the um, the videos, mm. the tutorial videos. I'm sure once I do, I will have no problems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's my own fault again. Um, but so, please, uh, if you want to. Sign up to the blog. Try there, because by the time this is up, hopefully it will be up. Otherwise, you can just go to my site, do the contact form, and I'll put you on the list. I've got two subscribers, Chris. So excited.
0: Nice. I know. Hey, that's better than zero subscribers.
1: I know. I'm so, so. excited about this. Yeah, and um, I'm, since I've got the subscribers now, I actually have to follow through. And but, by the way, you have yeah.
0: four weeks before this episode will go up.
1: Oh, it'll well, will be ready then. Yeah, all right. Cool. <laughs> all right. Um, and then, let's see. Uh, Facebook. Get me at uh, Facebook.com slash Balloon Storyteller. If you go to Balloon Story, that's cool. That's my fan page. But it doesn't help if anybody likes your page unless they're kind of local. So feel free to friend me on Facebook at Balloon Storyteller. That's my personal profile. But nothing I do online is personal because I pretty much know better. So it's just where I connect with other entertainers and stuff like that. And right now, you can only see me if you are a friend. You can't. You know, I, my friends see just most of my posts. Mm-hmm. So um, just friend me and I will. I'm, I'm nowhere near 5,000. Um, I love to connect with. I'm learning a lot right now on Facebook being in, you know, different professional groups. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're we doing a SoCal chapter of Cadabra, I'm very okay. excited about that. Everybody say, hi, Buster Balloon. Hi, Buster, hi, Buster Balloon. Balloon. Yeah, he just walked in.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And where, where can we find your books?
1: Oh, um, you can look on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Electric takes over the world. Okay. And um, just go to the Amazon link. Um, they say that there's a special one that I can do where I make more money on it, but I just don't care. But if they do buy my book, please do a review of my book, good or bad, doesn't matter. Because uh, what I'm realizing is that's one of the things that's, um, that's really important when somebody looks to see if they want to hire you or buy your book, they look at the reviews. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I have two and they're good, but I'd like more
2: because <laughs> okay, nobody cool.
1: believes me. They all think it's like my mother. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, uh, I, I will definitely put links to that uh, and to your, uh, to your book on there as well. Annie Banani, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your experience. All right, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I really hope you guys were able to pick up some good information and uh, some, you know, maybe some practical tips or some inspiration on. Uh on, you know, that, that subject. Um, I wanted to give you guys a quick reminder that, uh, in a couple weeks here, I am going to be taking a break and I will be, uh, for six weeks, I, I'm not going to be putting out any new episodes, but I'm going to be running my six most downloaded episodes. Uh, so it'll be a best of, um, you know, may, maybe you guys haven't heard some of these interviews, but, uh, or maybe you have, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's just a, a fun thing to, you know, revisit some of these uh, more popular episodes as well. And uh, I know that many times I will listen to an episode of a podcast more than once, and I always pick up something new from it. So, um Just wanted to keep that uh, top of mind, but I will be back after that. Uh, I'm going to take that opportunity to, uh, you know, for for the holidays, just to be with my family. And I'm also going to you know, take a step back and, and kind of reevaluate some of the things I'm doing with this show and figure out different ways that I can improve. Uh, so if you guys have any suggestions, shoot me an email at K S at successful performer, cast.com. Uh, let me know what you like. Let me know if there's anything that you would change or anything like that. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I will uh, definitely consider all of that, and you know, even reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter as well because I'm there as well. Um, but hey, at any rate, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next week, and uh, take care.